Welcome to the Two Mutts Podcast presented by Edmonton Truck Sales Limited. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. Today on the podcast, we have from TSN, Craig Button. Uh, we broke down all the matchups going into the best of five series. Uh, we also kind of touched on the top four in each conference there, uh, kind of their mindset where they're sitting at. Uh, so we we're able to uh, break everything down, give our predictions. Um, we'll also get Craig back after the best of fives are done. We'll also do another breakdown of the series. But it was a pretty good 48 minutes or so with Craig. So uh, covered a lot. Good breakdowns. Um, yeah, so looking forward to you guys hearing that interview. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it right now. We're just going to be doing small intros, jump into that. Uh, you guys uh, need any trucks or work trucks or anything, just go see Carmen Andy at Edmonton Truck Sales. Tell them that the Two Mutts podcast sent you. Uh, they'll hook you guys up, take care of you guys, take care of your work needs, anything that you guys need. They also have some cars and SUVs there too, so you guys can take advantage of their great pricings and great sales. Without further ado, we'll jump into the Craig Button interview. The Two Mutts podcast is presented by Edmonton Truck Sales. Edmonton Truck Sales is an AMVIC licensed dealer. They specialize in all types of trucks. Pickup trucks, diesel trucks, flatbed trucks, picker trucks, work trucks, service trucks, any truck you need. We also carry cars and SUVs. If we don't have it, we'll help you find it. We also have financing and leasing. Take advantage of our competitive prices. We are located in Edmonton, Alberta, at 12531 127th Street, or call us at 780-474-2174, or you can check us out online at edmontontrucksales.com. Call Carm or Andy to get the best pricing you need and to get yourself into a great vehicle. You can also email us at edmontontrucksales at gmail.com. We're now joined by... TSN's Director of Scouting and Hockey Analyst, Craig Button. Craig, how's it going? It's going really good. I mean, here we are in July, and we're getting ready for playoff hockey. Isn't that something? I, I, was, I was laughing. I was laughing. I, I forget what team sent out a tweet yesterday. They won their game, and they said, official July record in the NHL is now 1-0. <laughs> <And I> said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the brilliance of social media and people that, uh, you know, really kind of capture uh, a mood. Yeah, I know for sure. It's uh, you get creative and uh, anything right now to get a laugh because it's uh, for some people it's obviously been a struggle with what we've yes. gone on through here. So, um, you know, I think getting us getting hockey back and what have you thought so far of these uh, exhibition games? Well, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, it's been a long layoff. Right. But what struck me real quickly was some of the intensity. You know, like, you know, the, the Toronto-Montreal game, I mean, I, I, there's probably an anticipation to see it. I, I didn't see it there. I certainly saw it in the Calgary-Edmonton game. And then when I was watching the game yesterday, uh, Carolina and, and – uh, who did Carolina play? Uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, that was an intense game. And then and – then, and then, no, Florida and Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, Florida yeah, and Tampa, Florida and Tampa Bay. 
right? And then I watched the uh, – who did Carolina play? Carolina – I've already they, forgot. Then Washington, I think, right? Yeah, well, and that was yeah, – yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm watching those games yesterday, and I'm going, boy, those, those were intense. And then I thought the game between Winnipeg and Vancouver, again, you know, the intensity and – Hey, listen, the practice, the coaches have pushed the, the tempo. The players are ready. It's only going to get better beginning on Saturday. I, oh. I can't wait. I can't wait. I think it's going to be terrific. Yeah, no, I think, and I think so too. Uh, you know, it's the first time ever everyone's going to be pretty much healthy going into a playoffs. Yes. So, so that's going to be good to go with. So uh, let's start with uh, with the Rangers series um, there. Do you think uh, with Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes, who who do you like in that series? How do you think that series is going to shape up here? I like the Rangers. And, you know, they, they had to make a, a really significant decision during the course of the season, and that was on their goaltending. I mean, Henrik Lundqvist is going to the Hall of Fame. There's no question about it. But those are not easy decisions to make. Those aren't easy. They're, they're not even easy decisions to contemplate. But to me, they got through it. Igor Shosturkin is a, is a terrific goaltender. He's got lots of uh, pedigree behind him. They understand, you know, that he's ready to take the reins. And I think that their goaltending is outstanding, you know. And that's not even mentioned Georgiev, who, who was really terrific for them. I think the development of their defense has been terrific. Adam Fox, a rookie, came in and settled in. But Tony D'Angelo has gone to another level. Jacob Truba very well may be their third pair right shot defenseman. That's a pretty deep def uh, blue line. Yeah. Obviously, the Panarin signing was huge, but Zabanajad took a major, massive step up into, you know, elite status. And then you have uh, Chris Kreider, who returns from injury, to your point earlier. You also have Ryan Strom, who had a terrific season. And I just see a really well-balanced team that can play against uh, – their opponent in a lot of different ways. They were playing really well prior to the pause. They're a team that I would say, keep your eye on in the East, not just in the series against Carolina, but going forward. I think they're that good. And I think their goaltending alone carries them past the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. Do you think, um, I agree too, um, but do you think the loss of Lindy Ruff, obviously getting the head coaching job in New Jersey, and he's not going to be part of this coaching staff in this, in this playoffs here, do you think that's going to hurt the, the, the Rangers at all? What I would say in that respect is, you know, Lindy, because of his playoff experience, and, and I mean, it's lots and it's deep, right? At times, you, you, you come to moments that you just need to be settled down. You know, something happens and, and there can be like kind of an overreaction. When you have somebody like Lindy, he, he, don't worry. Like, just relax. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think that's where David Quinn and the coaching staff, you know, Greg Brown and David Oliver have to really kind of understand that and keep that in mind. You know, the, the, like, I don't know what Glenn Sather's involvement is going to be with the team, but, you know, he's a resource there. And even if, if, if you can phone Glenn Sather, who's been through it all, as a reminder, it would be important. But, but I think that that's, that's, that's an area that I, that I don't think gets a lot of play, but is really important because, you know, all of a sudden an overreaction leads to doing things that maybe aren't the right thing. And, and now the team gets all into a kerfuffle and, and now they're a little bit panicky. And before you know it, you, you, you're behind the eight ball. And I think that, you know, that's where, that's where the loss of Lindy could, could, could materialize. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think James Reimer can steal this series if somehow he gets in? I don't think he's probably going to start, but maybe if they lose the first game, Brendan Moore changes that goaltending up. Uh, I, I don't think Peter Morazic or James Reimer can steal this series. I, I think Carolina has to, has to, has to be able to, 
you know, alleviate the pressure on those two goaltenders. What, what I would say about James and uh, Peter is, listen, we don't need you to play great. Just don't play less than you're capable of. Just stop the pucks. We'll make sure that we do the things in front of you that don't uh, create more difficulty for you. But I, I don't think they have any – I don't think either one of those goalies has a capability to steal series. Yeah, yeah. So – so do you say, yeah, it's probably Rangers in, in three or maybe two or, uh, or four? I, I four. I, I, I think four. I mean, one of the interesting things now is, is this, like, home ice. Really, it's not home ice. It's the same ice, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same ice, different benches, right? Yeah, like, you know, yeah. Which is the other bench. So I, I don't really see that. But I, I think the way the Rangers play, I, I know the Carolina Hurricane, like, they push. They want to play and they play hard. Don't get me wrong here. I think the key for them is to, is to really apply pressure in front of the red line on the offensive side so they don't have to come back and play in their own, in their own zone. But I think that the, the Rangers – are a team that, that, that push it and, and can get past, uh, you know, what I would call the tenacity of the Carolina Hurricanes and expose the goaltender. Yeah, yeah, and I think they've won that season series too, the Rangers. I think they beat them at four too. So, um, so it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I say Rangers Rangers in four. So we'll move on to the, uh, the, the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders. Um, I don't know how much – play this series will get um might be out of all of them might be the least interesting <laughs> one in a way but it could be the most interesting one because you got a team like florida who just can't stop the goals um and you know the rangers i mean the islanders they, they don't give up much but uh what's your thoughts on this series i think you just nailed it you know they signed sergey Bobrovsky last summer to kind of fix all their goaltending woes, like, you know, the areas of their team that they really felt they had to address. He, he has been anything but the answer. In fact, their goaltending is worse this year than it was last year. And, you know, watching the game against uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, it, it was interesting because when I'm, when I'm watching the boards on the highlights, oh, Bobrovsky, five goals against on 34 shots. And I said, that doesn't tell any story. He gave up four goals on his first 13 shots, and he looked awful. He looked just as awful as he has all season. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, so you bring in Joel Quenville. We, we know what, what his pedigree is. But I see a team here. Th their defense, to me, is wobbly. You know, yeah, they have some good players. I, I just I, – I think they're going to – the way the New York Islanders play, New York Islanders, number one, don't beat themselves. Number two, they push you into your areas of vulnerability. And, like, this series could be over in three. I, yeah. think, I, I think it could be over in three. I, I don't see where the Florida Panthers can get the New York Islanders unsettled and uncomfortable. I just don't see it. And with, with, with the wobbly goaltending, uh, I, I think the Islanders can win this in three. Yeah. Um, if this series is over that, that soon, do you, do you think uh, Dale Talon has a job come this draft here? Yeah, I never like to speculate on, yeah. on, 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 on people's jobs. I mean, I think what you have to look at is where is the Florida Panthers as an organization? So if you want to consider, you know, and look back and everybody says, you know, you can't just look at, the, at, at, at just the president. You got to look at it all in context. You got to look at 10 years of Dale Talon leading this. Now, I know there was an interruption there and there could be discussion about, you know, what did that mean for the building of the team? But I'll be straightforward. The Florida Panthers are old for this century. The last time they did anything of, of consequence was in 1996, 
right? So yeah. you know what? Uh, if you want, like, at, at, until something changes, and I'm talking, like, you know, with their play, we all get, half, oh, look at this. Oh, yeah, they're a team, they're a team, they're a team. They signed Bobrovsky, they're a team. They get Joe Quendell, they get, guess what? They're still the same team. They're still the same group that, that has shown me nothing. So I'll be straightforward. They're not a stock I'm buying. I'm not buying their stock. And, you know, and again, you look at 10 years with Dale at the helm. And like I said, there's an interruption there. You got to look at the whole thing. And is this team any further ahead today than they were five years ago, 10 years ago? Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's weird because like even with their connection to this podcast with, with Petrovich there, it was kind of just shocking how they went. They were good. They won the Atlantic. They obviously got out in the first round against the Islanders, but ever since then, it's just been it's been weird. Um, some of the signings that they've made have been a bit odd too. And you know, I know it's uh, it's an exhibition game, and you might not judge everything on that exhibition game, but maybe you do. And obviously, Bobrovsky wasn't good, but Michael Matheson is a guy that got a big contract, and he was a minus four yesterday. Like, oh, he was awful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. is there any other way to put it? He was yeah, awful. Absolutely. Bobrovsky was awful. Matt, but 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 that's what I mean about yeah. uh, about them being wobbly. Like they're a team that like yeah, Barkov's a tremendous player. Like he, he's a tremendous tremendous player. I thought Aaron Ekblad didn't play yesterday, but I thought Aaron had had a really good solid year this year. But when you look at their lineup, like it it, it just seems like where, where they have strength in one area, they're they're weak in another area. Teams can't be built where you're wobbly. Because it, it goes back to, like, you know, the, the story of the, of, of, of the three pigs and the big bad wolf, right? Yeah. You want to build your house out of straw? Well, guess what? A good wind comes. <laughs> you're in trouble. Like, yeah. if there's no wind, you're okay, right? Like, you know, but, like, I mean, the Florida Panthers are, are the classic tale of uh, the, 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 three, uh, the three bears and the big bad wolf. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so I think well that that series could probably just easily finish up in three. We'll see if Florida makes a makes a push, but I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the Montreal Canadiens and the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, this series that might just be over pretty quick too. Which I don't know, like they they didn't play overly that bad, but you know, Price the other night. But uh, I just you know getting Jake Gensel back and. That's just huge, and I and that's just you know that's that's maybe number three or number four on that top list of <laughs> great boards they have in, in in Pittsburgh. But where where do you see the series uh, shaping, or how do you see the series shaping? Now? Exactly the same way as you. And make no mistake about it, you nailed it. Gensel is a key addition because Gensel is is uh, the the guy that rides shotgun with Crosby, and so Crosby's good and makes him that much better. I go back to to Montreal prior to the deadline. Mark Bergevin looked at his team and said, we're not a playoff team. I'm selling. I am. Uh, I understand where we're at. We had some injuries. We weren't able to overcome them. He traded Ilya Kovalchuk, who gave them a real jolt of offensive energy. He trades Nate Thompson. He trades Nick Cousins. Mark Bergevin didn't see his team as a playoff team. So now, because of the pandemic, we have 24 teams in. Montreal is the 24 team. They... Like, I mean, we all know what Carey Price is. They, have, they rely on too few for too much. And when you're playing against a team like the, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who can bear down on you every single area of the game in so many different areas and overwhelm you, I simply don't believe that the Montreal Canadiens uh, have enough to be able to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. I really do. You know, and we talk, oh, Carey Price. Yeah, I know Carey Price is good. Well, it doesn't matter. Pittsburgh plays a game in a way that doesn't allow Carey Price 
to, to, to kind of overwhelm you. Pittsburgh's too smart. They're too, they're, they're too well coached. They're too smart as players. So they're not going to just zone in and, and, and force you into a, uh, into a situation where you don't adapt and adjust to. So really, quite frankly, I, I, I know when you say no chance, there's always a chance. The chance is as little, as little, as small, as small can be in my view for the Montreal Canadiens against Pittsburgh. Yeah, and obviously some of their players like Carey Price has spoken out about coming back and Shea Weber and Dano and Domi yep. and Gallagher. So obviously it's nice to see Domi playing. Um, yes. In, and, you know, it's, it's going to be his first playoffs. But, uh, you know, it's uh, he might be a step behind because he came in late and that, that might hurt them too. And they're going to need him to be an impact player in this series for anything to happen. So... I predict at least probably maybe four games they might get one. Price might still one. But I, I, I think – and it sucks because some of these series might wrap up pretty quick, just the way things are. But we might get some long ones. But this one seems a bit short. Yeah, it does. And when you're – I mean, we're talking about, you know, based on points percentage, five versus 12, right? So there's a pretty significant gap there with respect to, you know, where the Montreal Canadiens find themselves, not only just standings-wise, but also – you know, how their manager evaluated their team. And that never gets lost on the players. The players also understand where they, where they stand as a team and how they're viewed as a team by their manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, so do you want to give a prediction there or you probably feel the same? It might be a quick one. You know what's interesting to me, I, I, and just back, just generally. Oh yeah. no, no, no I'm, I, I think Pittsburgh will win that in three games. Yeah, yeah. personally. And you know what's interesting to me too about this three out of five format is that, you know, if one of the underdog teams wins the first game, right? Like, what type of pressure does that put on, right? Yeah. And going one step further, if 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 the series is one one and an underdog team wins game three to go up two one. I think we, that's where you try to apply the pressure, right? Like, you know, yeah. obviously you want to win three. So for Montreal, Montreal has to be able to get out in front on, on, in, in terms of, of a series. I think underdog teams, if they want to apply pressure, they can't be playing behind one game to nothing, behind two games to one. They have to get into that spot where they're up one game or they're two to one and they can really kind of tighten the tourniquet around their opponent's, uh, you know, hopes. Yeah, and then we usually see an upset either in the first round of the playoffs. So this is a, obviously be a qualifier. So, you know, that I think there's going to be one. And they yep. and, and a show that you, you're, you're familiar with, uh, Overdrive, like they were talking about yesterday too. Hayes was, Hayes was like, there just, there will be one. We don't know yep. obviously what it will be, but it's probably going to be something that just blows us off and you're just like all right well because <laughs> like someone someone some some teams might not just be all there and i know and noodles kind of talked about you know we can hit on this too later on but or hit on now but which with boston like there's just something going on there you know rask has made some comments and the charis test wasn't in when it first came in and you know cash is in boston um i know we're kind of getting off path but We'll just hit on the Bruins real quick there um, just to mix it up. But what do you see going on with the Bruins? Are you worried about them at all with this stuff going on or not really? So, well, here's what I would say. And I, and I think, like, you know, watching the game yesterday with St. Louis and Chicago, I thought St. Louis was really sloppy. 
I thought St. Louis, you know, came out and they didn't get rewarded. I, I, I thought they were carrying the game and, you know, they had some really good opportunities. Corey Crawford made some good saves and, you know, and then it was kind of like Chicago scores and St. Louis is going, yeah, it really doesn't matter. Like, let's just get our feet wet. Let's not get hurt. Right. Yeah. So I think for the four teams in the West and the four teams in the East, Boston included, that they have a real benefit here in the seeding round. You know, they get the one exhibition game, and then they have three games playing against high-quality competition to get their games in order before they have to go and play in the round of 16. So I think that that gives those teams uh, the real potential to negate, you know, the rust, uh, the feelings of like, okay, here's where we're at. Whatever your individual situation, Steve Stankos, will he be healthy? Andre Kasha, where's he at with, with respect to his game? You know, you know, Victor Hedman coming up to play, you know, he's still in uh, Tampa Bay. He's preparing to come up to Toronto. All those things, for those four teams in each conference, they have a real benefit here. Because it doesn't start for them until uh, for, for two weeks. Yeah. really doesn't start for them where the stakes now become meaningful. So I think that the teams that are – those teams are good. They've bolstered their lineups prior to the deadline, at the deadline. So I think they have a real benefit here of, of, of those games to, to kind of work out the kinks. And, and physical, individually, mentally – Group-wise, everything that works together in that respect. Yeah, yeah, I know it, it, and they will. Like, they're just going to get those extra games. They're going to be playing high competition. Um, yeah, so they're probably, they're probably not much to worry about there. Obviously, you want to stay healthy, and I don't think yeah. – maybe they probably don't even care who they play. It's just get us in that first round, and we, we know we're going to be the better team, you know, and it might be better for them if the, one of the matchups that they get is a team that just went seven – went five games, right? So. Oh, for sure, and, and, and again – you know, just to quickly talk about it too, like, you know, you play, let's just say Boston, let's just take Boston as an example here. Let's say they get into this seeding round, right? And let's say they get it handed to them in three games, right? So now Bruce Cassidy can sit there and go, okay, guys, this is what you want to be. The players can sit down and go, wow, that's not a very good account of ourselves. What, what, what are we made of here? And they're a good team. They're a championship caliber team. So, you know, even if it's negative, fully negative, right? Yeah. They still have the benefit of being able to, you know, kind of get that, what I call the proverbial pinch between the shoulder blades and say, we better get our act together here or we're going to get really embarrassed. And, you know, and let's not forget that last year when Columbus really, really took it to the Tampa Bay Lightning, I don't think any of those top teams want to be this year's version of the Tampa Bay Lightning. No. no. <laughs> yeah, 100% they don't. So uh, we'll move on to Toronto Columbus. Um, we're, uh, you know, you, you're, you're pretty out, outspoken and you've pretty much been bang on about how your assessment is of the Leafs. That's no secret to anyone. Um, what do you see with Sheldon Keith getting a training camp here? Do you think anything changing and anything on, on Monday night when you watch or the, the other night when they, they were playing, did that change anything? Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, everybody's going to talk about a focus on defense and you know, coaches are going to say, Hey, we got to be better defensively. We got to be better without the puck. And Hey, listen, I thought there was some good examples of that, but they were playing a, a, a pretty, uh, what I would call a pedestrian team. And, you know, that's not to take away anything from where the Toronto made. I thought Morgan Riley looked phenomenal. I thought that, I mean, those four, what I call the four horsemen, Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Nylander, I mean, they're all really good players. 
but you're playing now the Columbus Blue Jackets. So here, here's the three points I'm going to make about the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. They are highly competitive. They contest every single inch of ice. They contest every second that you're trying to do something. They're, they're in your face, they're in your space, and they make life incredibly hard for you. That's number one. Number two, they have two of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League, and Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. So, you know, th their ability to, to put those two players out in different situations, mix them up, they're horses. They're, they're players who can play lots of minutes every situation. So that creates a different dynamic for those four horsemen. Columbus is an exceptionally good defensive team. They don't beat themselves. They don't take unnecessary penalties, and they push you at every turn. Number three, everybody tells me about how talented the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are. I know they are. They're very gifted offensively. They're not more gifted offensively or more talented than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. for every for for every Matthews for every Matthew, what about Matthews? Uh, the Columbus. Oh, what about Kucherov? Well, what about Marner? What about Point? What about Tavares? What about Stamkos? Right? Like, I mean, they 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 summarily dispatched the the Tampa Bay Lightning last year in the playoffs. So, you know, Columbus going up against the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're not in awe. They're not going to be deferential. And to me, it's a real test for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've gone out in the first round three consecutive years. They talk about the lessons you have to learn. Well. We'll see how good students they are because if they can apply those lessons of details and understanding how not to beat themselves and create vulnerability, then they can have a chance to move on. If they haven't, it's going to be four straight years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough. It's, I don't think it's going to be easy. I picked prediction. My prediction is it's going to go five games. I'm with Toronto, you. Toronto wins in five. Um, okay. So let me ask you this. Do you, do you, do you think Toronto winning in five is a result of them playing in their familiar surroundings? No, like my, th my thing is with them going five, um, I think it's my, and I think reason, reason is because Sheldon Keith got his training cap that he needed. So I think that's a benefit to them. Um, I think, and, and you made a good point, like every, you know, Matthews compared to those guys getting turned over the boards and, you know, it didn't shake Columbus at all, but I just think there, there's some, there's that extra year ex experience. Um, their D I, I, I'm not sold on the D, but, <laughs> and it's tough, but, but my, my difference is I think Freddie Anderson's going to be able to, to wake up here. And I think he's, he's the reason I think, you know, he, in elimination games, his record's horrendous, but I think this is the playoffs where we see Freddie Anderson getting that, that, recognition for being a good goaltender as he is so that's where I kind of break it down to um Columbus they just don't score that much but I don't think it really you know they're, they're going to be as stingy as the New York Islanders are and I just break it down I think Freddie Anderson's the reason that they win the series but I think it's going to be close I think every game's going to be it's going to be similar to Boston just because that's just the way Toronto plays they're going to be a, there'll be a good game and then there'll be a lull because we don't ever see Toronto consistently play great and that's and, and we do see them play great. Then they have a then they have a drop off, right? I yeah. agree with you. I think it's going five. I think they're close enough. And I think like watching Morgan Riley play against the Toronto uh, Montreal in that uh, exhibition game, he looked like the Morgan Riley of two seasons ago. 
he, he, I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he was as phenomenal as, as Dry Seidel and McDavid looked against Calgary. I, I really thought he, he controlled the game. He controlled the game in every single facet. And him coming back, I mean, he, was, he had some lower body uh, discomfort, injury, whatever, ailment early on in the season. Then he broke his foot. He's fully healthy. And he looks like that defenseman that we were talking about going to be in the Norris Trophy conversation. And so I think you, Freddie Anderson, for certain, Morgan Riley becomes a, a real big part of this. I think for Toronto, like they can overwhelm Columbus offensively. But, you know, what they can't do is get complacent. Like that's where I thought that Tampa Bay last year got complacent. They got up in that first game. And it looked like they were going to blow Columbus off the chart. And it was like, even when Columbus started to play and got back in the game, it was like, oh, don't worry. We got this. They lose. Oh yeah. We learned. They never learned. Mm-hmm. And I thought they I thought they got complacent with, oh, we're better. We got more skill. We'll find our way. And before you knew it, they were shaking hands at the end of the series. I think that's the biggest thing Toronto's got to be aware of. Don't become complacent. And don't think that your skill will all of a sudden just emerge. You're, you're going to have to do it shift after shift after shift after shift because that's how Columbus plays. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Nick Robinson is going to be an impact in this series at all? or I, I don't know yeah. if he'll be an impact. What I will say about Nick is t- two things, and I say this jokingly. Nick Robertson is, has proven – I mean, he's one of the best prospects outside the NHL. We know that. But he's also proven to be like what I call the ace in the hole. Because everybody's talking about Nick Robertson and nobody's talking about Matthews or Marner or Tavares or yeah. Nylander. He, yeah. He's become the great distraction. Like, oh, we'll talk about Nick and those other guys who go play. I, I think that, you know, when a coach has more offensive weapons and can create more advantages for his team in different scenarios, uh, Nick Robertson gives Sheldon Keith that. And for that reason, I think he should, if it's me, he's in my lineup beginning on Sunday versus Columbus. And, you know, you're asking him to play on the third line and you're not asking him to have to go up against the Seth, Seth Jones or Zach Wierenski, Gavrikov. You know, you're going to be able to put him in the spots that he can handle. But it's another offensive weapon. And as a coach, you want more of those, not less of those. So I think that Nick gives uh, Sheldon and the Leafs another weapon. Okay. Before we move on, do you want to give your prediction on that then? Do you think Leafs in five or Columbus, or do you want to circle back? No, no, I don't want to circle back. <laughs> you know, last year I picked the Leafs to uh, beat Boston because I felt that they had the three best centers in the league. The, the one, the, yeah. the, 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 you know, Matthews, Tavares, and, Ka- and Nazem Kadri. Nazem got suspended, as we know, and, and, and I thought that really tipped the scales in favor of the, of the Boston Bruins enough to win in game seven, right? Toronto was up in that series three games to two. And I, I, I keep going back to lessons and lessons and, you know, and, and, and where you're at. And I, I think that Toronto can emerge here. I, I do believe they can emerge here. But if they become complacent, they're going to find themselves in the same exact place as Tampa Bay. Yeah. I think their maturity level uh, has, has improved. And, and that's not a, that doesn't mean they were immature. It just means that the understanding of the situation and playoff hockey and what you're going to have to do, I, I think this is a real opportunity for Toronto to, to really apply those lessons and show that they've learned. So yeah. I, I, the reason I asked you uh, yeah, about yeah. Uh, about the home surroundings is because I think 
that little bit gives them the edge in game five. Yeah, yeah, it just having the familiarity to yeah. the arena, right? Yeah. Obviously, it might. That's look it. Different that's it. There. But I think it's. I think it's. I think it's tight. But I. I think they're ready to show that uh, that that as students, they've learned some valuable lessons. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, so moving on to the West now, um, the Oilers versus the Blackhawks. Um, you know, I I know it's just the preseason game and whatever, and it was a four nothing win for Chicago, but. Uh, I don't just something just there just screams upset to me. I, I don't know. I, it's a, it's a five seed versus a twelve seed, a team that probably shouldn't be there. But I just it's hard to bet bet against three cups to you haven't done a lot. And I understand it. You got the two best players in the game, so maybe that you should you should just be like, all right, well, you got the two best horses on the ice, almost pretty much the whole game. So where do you stand on this series? Yeah, the last time they won a cup was in 2015. They haven't participated in the playoffs in a number of years. Yeah. Tays and Kane are all of hey, Kane is still a top performer. Don't get me wrong here. I see no chance for the uh, uh, Chicago Blacks. No team in the league gives up more high-quality chances, more inner slot and slot chances, high-danger chances than the Chicago Blackhawks. No team. They're the worst. They're the worst in the league at it. So now – you look at a team like the Edmonton Oilers who, who, who can bring a massive offensive thrust to, uh, to, to the game. So you look at a, what I call a, a significant headwind. The headwind for the Chicago Blackhawks is McDavid and Drysaddle, but also the way the, the Edmonton Oilers play and how weak the uh, Chicago Blackhawks are defensively. They're terrible. They're awful. And, hey, again, like we can talk about – listen, I'm dealing with 2020. I don't care about nostalgia. I don't care about what you did five years ago or seven years ago. They have their place in, in, in history, deservedly so. The two best players in the game right now, in my view, are McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, you know, McDavid, period, and Dreisaitl this year for his play. But Kenny Holland has also really rounded out that team. He's given, them, he's given those players more uh, support around them. And, you know, Kyler Yamamoto, go back to the minors. He's come up. Ryan Nugent-Hawkins, we're going to play on the wing. Zach Cassian gives Connor McDavid, uh, you know, an element. Again, you got to be good to play with good players. I think Zach has shown a real capability there. James Neal on the power play. They're healthy on the blue line. Dave Tippett has this team really functioning well. When you look back from January 1st on, really good record, really good high-scoring team. You know, they're goaltending. Like, you know, he, he's got the benefit of being able to go to one or the other. And I just, again, Stan Bowman is like Mark Bergeron. At the deadline, they said, we're not good enough. We're trading off. And like that. So how do you become better after four and a half months? You, you, you haven't added superstars. You haven't added stars. So I just don't see uh, at Chicago with much of a chance in this. Yeah. Does the Oilers five on plate worry you at all, though? Like... They haven't been great five on five. Like since January first, they've been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, again, five on five play. You, you know, one of the things that uh, that I think you have to keep in mind, for me anyway, is that okay, how do they draw penalties, right? And do they take unnecessary penalties? Because those are also elements of five on five play. So how does that? So Edmonton's got a great power play. They're also very good at penalty killing, right? So, you know, they're, they're able to balance out some things. But 
Chicago Blackhawks are terrible five on five. <laughs> like, yeah. They're, they're the worst in the league. They're 31 and giving up high danger inner slot, slot chances in the league. They're the worst. So, okay. All I know is this, is that if Edmonton is, is it great, they're not as bad as Chicago. And that's where I think the headwinds are for the Chicago Blackhawks. And I know like Stanley Cops, Kane, Taves, Duncan Keith and everything. That was then. This, this is isn't, now. No, yeah. And that's how I, and I think Kenny Holland's done a nice job of balancing out his team. I really do. You know, Ethan Bear going back to the minors and rounding out his game. Tyler Yamamoto, right? There's more competition for spots. You know, Clefbaum's healthy. Nurse is right there. Adam Larson's healthy. I, I just see a real challenge. Now, you know, if, if, if we look yesterday, I mean, I, I think the Blackhawks have a good power play. Like, they, they, they can move that puck around and create some chances. They, they have enough weapons you know, to, to, but I, I just don't th think they have enough weapons to make you uncomfortable, but I think that the Edmonton Oilers are, are, are a much better team all around in, in, in all a lot of the critical areas that allows them to go past the Blackhawks. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with that. I, I'm just thinking, going back to what we were talking about earlier about an upset, I figure this might just be one, I guess, but um, you know, you make some very valid points and, I'll stick with Chicago and five. Okay, that's, but, well, but I, just because we got to go against something here. I can't agree with you. <laughs> well, you can. Yeah, I guess, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I, hey, listen, I had a great discussion with, with a good friend of mine, and he, he said, I'm picking Chicago, right? So after the game the other night uh, when Edmonton played Calgary, he sent me a note yesterday morning, uh, Wednesday morning, rather. He said, oh, by the way, uh, he goes, I, I might back off on my Chicago prediction. I said, oh, come on. You got to stick with it. Like, yeah. Yeah. As I pointed out about those, Chicago has to get up one nothing in the series. If they want to have a chance, they got to get up one nothing. If they fall behind one nothing, I think their chances have evaporated. Yeah. If it becomes one nothing, okay, I will be going right on social media with my scaredy, scaredy look and saying that you very well could be right and I'm the one that could be completely wrong. Okay, well, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> so, no. uh, all right, well, moving on um, to the Calgary Flames here, a team that uh, it's in your backyard. I think the loss of Travis Hamannick is huge for the, uh, for the Flames, obviously for the right reasons, and uh, I got to know Travis a bit here, so I kind of know the story, but I um, – you know, and he obviously made it public too. But uh, I just think that loss is too big for them. I'm not saying that that's going to make or break the series, but uh, I think because Winnipeg's a heavy, hard team. And uh, I don't know. I just – I think it's going to be a tough one for, for them. And the Winnipeg's got those forwards. they got the five forwards. I know Ehlers hasn't has a Stanley Cup playoff goal, but I think that's going to come this, this, this tournament here, this, this, you know, this weekend. But where do you stand on these guys? I agree with you on Nikolai Ehlers. I thought he had a terrific season this year and those five forwards. And, you know, for Travis, again, going to the playoffs and you, you, you need more, not less. And, you know, Travis is a competitor and, you know, mentally, you know that he's going to be all in to do whatever he can to help the team. So losing that mentality hurts the team. There's no question about it. And it hurts your depth. Now, you know, when I, when I look at the uh, Winnipeg Jets and those five forwards, you know, 20 goals or more. No, no team had more than that. And for me, when I watch Winnipeg, I think for the Calgary Flames, it, 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 it's like flashback to the Colorado Avalanche. The Winnipeg Jets are so good in transition, and they're so quick at getting into the attack and coming back at you. And that's what really did in the Calgary Flames last year. 
really caused them problems. I mean, when you look at uh, different areas of the game, you know, the Calgary Flames are not very good at defending the rush. They're not very good at denying entries and negating that transition play. It got them into huge problems against Colorado Avalanche, and that's why they, they got annihilated. And I think that the Winnipeg Jets pose exactly the same types of challenges. And so now you go to the next step, which is Connor Hellebuck, who, you know, gives them the comfort. We're going to play those. I think Paul Maurice has done a great job with those forwards. We lost a lot of defensemen. Your forwards are going to have to do more. But when you have Connor Hellebuck back there, and that game against Vancouver in the exhibition game, he was brilliant. Like, he looked like he hadn't missed a step. And if it's possible to say he looked better, uh, I might be willing to make that statement. But I think the Calgary Flames are really in tough. I think this matchup against Winnipeg is like their worst nightmare. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, 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 I'm predicting Jets in five, but it might be over sooner than that. So Yeah, I'm saying uh, four for the Jets. For the, okay. All right. Uh, we don't have much time left. Uh, we'll just quickly hit on. We'll take uh, our time. Don't yeah, worry. Okay, we, don't okay. have to, we don't have to rush through. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Uh, so with the Vancouver Canucks, they're playing the Minnesota Wild. Where do you, where do you stand on this series? Obviously, I think uh, Michael Furling coming back. I think that's obviously a great story. Um, you know, and, and they're getting, they obviously got healthy. They're, they're hurt. So where, where do you stand with, with this series? Getting healthy. I think you, that, that, that's a key thing for the, Winnipeg, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks rather. Uh, I, I really like the Canucks. I, 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 I love what they've done in, in, in a span of, I mean, let's just call it 15 months from, from the trade deadline of 2019 to, to, to how their teams form now. You know, Jacob Markstrom, to me, was one of the best five goaltenders in the National Hockey League this year. His injury really showed how valuable he is to that team. And he's back. He's healthy. You know, to have him in the net, I think, is, is a huge, huge uh, asset, obviously, for the Vancouver Canucks. But when I go back, again, to trade deadline of 2019, they had Bo Horvat. They had Elias Patterson. They had Brock Besser. But it was... Too few players required to do too much. A little subtle move, and maybe not a subtle move, but I thought it was a real solid move. They trade for Tanner Pearson. It gives you another player into that spot that can contribute offensively. Then Jim Benning at the, at the draft last year acquires JT Miller. JT Miller was terrific for the Vancouver. Then at the deadline, he goes and acquires Tyler Toffoli. So now you've taken three really good offensive players, and now you've added three other good offensive players. Adam Gaudet comes in, takes hold of that third-line center role, and to me, that is really significant. Like now they have two really good scoring lines. They have Adam Gaudet that can play in those areas. You get players further down. Tyler Mott's good. Jake Furtana when he's playing. Michael Furland, great story. The rest and the way he wants to play. And then Quinn Hughes. He comes into the – he's a number one defenseman already. He, he drives play in a significant manner. Edler's healthy. Tanev's healthy. Tyler Myers is healthy. So I put all those things together, and I see now a team that is really well-formed at, 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 at critical positions all the way through their lineup. I think, like the New York Rangers, that's a team in the West I would be fearful of playing. I think they take out the Minnesota Wild in four games. I think the Minnesota Wild are, are, are a solid team, but not a threatening team. And yeah. I think Vancouver wins it in four. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I figure the same. You know, they're just uh, 
they, those those additions and Bennings, I think he's a he's a good GM. Uh, you know, he he's made some moves that people question, and so far they've worked out. So, and uh, I think Brock Besser is just going to be uh, uh, just a breakout kind of playoffs here for him in my mind. So, did you see the game uh, when they played uh, Winnipeg? Yeah, I watched it last night. They had a lot of chances, Besser. So Brock could have had five goals. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. he was unbelievable. I, like, I, I mean, I'm like that's a healthy player. I mean, he had the injury this year, but he had the injury the year before with the lower back when he crashed into the into the bench area there. Yeah. You know, he looks healthy. He looks free and comfortable. And I'm really happy to hear you say that about Jim Benning. Every general manager is going to have moves that they fully regret. And they go, oh, geez, I wish I had the hindsight of doing it. Managers aren't trying to make – but Kenny Holland, when he took over the job with the Edmonton Oilers, he said, you know, over a period of time, you're going to make a lot of trades, you're going to make a lot of moves. What you want to do is be on the positive side of the ledger in a significant way. You can look at some of the things that didn't turn out, but all in all, you got to evaluate it on the overall. I think Jim Benning has done a, a really significant job of getting the Vancouver Canucks to where they're at today. And that doesn't come without saying, oh, geez, maybe he shouldn't have done this or, you know, why did he do that? But all in all, to your point, I, I think he's done a real nice job of positioning the Canucks, not only for today, but going forward. Oh, I, I agree. And I think just his next move is getting Markstrom signed. And I think yeah. that's going to happen. And, you know, I'm not, I, got, I, have the, I have full confidence in him making sure that that gets done. So yep, me too. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. We'll finish up on the Arizona Coyotes and the Predators here. The last series there. Um, what about think, Vegas? Oh, Vegas. Well, they're in the play in, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they're in the, the play in. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we don't yeah. get Yeah. yeah. No. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Um, so um, you think this John Chica thing is going to be a distraction for the Coyotes or do you think that actually might bring this group together and, and they can beat the Predators here? Yeah, you know, when you get to this point, you, you know, if a manager is a distraction or causes, uh, you know, some type of negative uh, feeling, I, I, I think that you got a team that's pretty weak. You know, this is all about the coaches. The, you know, the coaches are in with the players, uh, you know, significantly. So it's, it's Rick talking and it's Johnny McLean and Phil Housley that, you know, have to really be dealing with the players. Uh, you know, their goaltending is solid. You know, they're a team that when John, as a GM, he tried to add some offense to the group. I understood exactly what he was doing. They're still, they're still challenged offensively to a, to a great extent. Here's the good news for the uh, Arizona Coyotes. The Nashville Predators are challenged offensively too, right? Yeah, very, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> you know, Roman Yossi, their top scorer. I, I break this down. I, I, I'm going to break this down to duos, okay? So I'm going to take two duos here. I don't worry about the defense for either team. I think both defenses are, are solid, good. They can contribute and add a lot of different areas. I think the goaltending is fine on both sides. I think it's going to come down to this. And not just this, but significantly this. Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson in Nashville, who are more than capable of providing a lot of offense, they got to be able to do that. They got to be threatening players. And Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel in Arizona. You know, all four of those players did not provide the offense that those teams uh, expected, were relying upon, were counting upon. So this is an opportunity now to kind of put all of the, the, the season to March 12th behind them and, and become significant offensive producers and difference makers. Because I think if, they, if that group, if those duos on either side can find that, 
it's going to be enough to push them through. I think this is a five-game series. If, there, if there's offense, you know what? It could be a little bit more high scoring, but we could have 2-1, 2-1, 2-1 games because of, of, their, of their lack of uh, ability to score. Yeah, no, I, I, I got Nashville in this one. Um, they just, uh, I, I think they, they got a good team. They're, they're, I think their team and their boards group is a bit better. Um, I'll throw Kate, Clayton Keller. We haven't really seen much of him since he really, uh, since his rookie year. Um, so do you think he's going to be a big factor or how much, how much do you think this guy's coming back to where he was before? Yeah, I think Clayton can absolutely do uh, come back to where he was before. You know, Clayton, they've also played him on the wing. I think Clayton's a way better centerman. Uh, I think Clayton is a, is a player that operates better with more space. You know, when you, when you get a player like Clayton who isn't big, you know, when you're an opponent and you can push a player outside the dots, you know, it becomes, it, it's constricting, right? And, and now Clayton gets pushed out of there. He doesn't have that physical prowess to push himself out of there to overpower. I want to see him in the middle of the ice. I, I think he's creative. I think he's got a great imagination and he's quick and he's fast and he can exploit. I really believe that him on the wing is not allowing him to be the very best player that, that they drafted and that we've seen. So that's my own opinion on Clayton. Now, can Clayton be effective? Yeah, he can be, but he's not going to be effective on his, if they're counting on Clayton to be the difference maker, it means that Taylor Hall, Phil Kessel, Derek Stepan, other players up front that they're counting on to, 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 to not, not be the lead horses, but to contribute, that means they're not. Because if you're turning now to Clayton to have to carry the load, that tells you what kind of trouble they're in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, we'll finish up on that, Craig. We appreciate you coming back on with us. Uh, we'll get you on again, too, uh, coming yeah. forward here. Uh, Anytime. I yeah. love uh, love talking hockey with you. And, you know, it's funny. When uh, I got a note from my uh, dear friend Rod Peterson in, in Regina today, and he said, did you make a prediction a few years ago about Boston and St. Louis in the final? I said, my predictions are so wrong so often that, uh, you know, and I usually hear about my wrong predictions is that I don't remember if I ever made that one. But if yeah. you say I did, I'll go with it. So it's going to be interesting, you know, with the play-in round, you know, and then after the play-in round in the receding uh, situation this year in the NHL playoffs, it's going to be fascinating to watch as we go forward. So yeah. uh, as we talk further down the road, it's going to be interesting to see how these first 10 days in the play-in round and the seeding round, you know, what, what, what type of reveals we get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we'll, uh, when, the, when these uh, best of fives are done, we'll get you back on. We'll do another one of these with the 16 and we'll get your prediction then. So, <laughs> so we appreciate okay, and, it. And you, and you have my feet to the fire, right? Like, so if Chicago is there. Like yeah, <laughs> you got to tweet that out. So You got it. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Have a good rest of the day and uh, take care. Thank you so much. Always my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. If it's done right the first time, you don't have to redo it. If you get Pete's concrete to pour your driveway, you don't need a repeat. When your patio is a PDO, you don't need a repeat. When Pete's concrete fixes your sidewalk, all it takes is once. You don't need a repeat. And if your basement leaks, a Pete's repair helps avoid a repeat. Get it done right the first time with the colors and textures you want so you don't have to redo it. For concrete, you can choose Pete's or repeats. Pete's Concrete.